Hallelujah. Well, are you blessed today? Please want to encourage you. Remember, we need to pray every day, but please remember to be praying for the National Day of Prayer. Thank God we have the freedom to do it again this year. Thank God for the freedom we have to be together this morning. Thank God for the freedom that I have behind this pulpit today. Thank God for the freedom you have to worship. One of my sons at the dinner table asked me yesterday, he said, Dad, how long are you going to preach on love? I said, well, baby, until Dad gets it. But, but, you know, we're on this series, and there's something special, I believe, that God wants to say today. And, you know, you hear a lot about spreading the wealth around. Well, I want to share something with you. I believe God is saying we need to spread the health around. We've been healed in our souls. And if you've not been totally healed of some areas of your emotions, I believe today is going to be a day of freedom in your life. Because last week we studied, love bears all things. Today we want to study, love believes all things. Now, how many of you found a little notebook on your chair when you sat down? If y'all didn't get a whole notebook because I think we ran out, uh, we got plenty of notebooks to hang around. But this notebook says... What I like about you. Say that with me. What I like about you. You know, I was reading a a book by a businessman this week. And he talked about this high school in Baytown, Texas that was having some strife and division. And they wanted to bring more unity among the students. So they made a little notebook and it said, I like you because. And they hung it, you know, they passed it out. Well, you know, I didn't want to do that. That didn't sound right. I like you because. So I I remember that little sitcom, What I Like About You. So I thought we'd make these notebooks for you to hand out because what this is about is that you need, what we want you to do for homework is you need to go around writing down what you like about somebody. And the reason they did this is we are, people get excited when they find out something bad on somebody. And they'll spread that around. Can you imagine, instead of spreading around the bad about somebody, if we start spreading around just the good about somebody, I think we'd have a pretty good church. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, I heard that they prayed for so-and-so, and so-and-so got healed. Instead of saying, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? They're in trouble again. Can you imagine if we go around, instead of, I caught you doing something bad, we could go around saying, hey, I caught you doing something good. Love believes all things. And so we want to start off and we want to show you. We made a special video clip just for you. And uh, I think you're going to recognize some of the people that we think a lot of good about. So let's go ahead and roll it. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm just sorry that a lot of them weren't here. So I guess we'll have to show it again later on so they could see that they were up, that they're famous. But how many of you know it's so important to understand what I like about you? And that's what we want to talk about today. If we go ahead and get it up there just for a few minutes. Say that with me. What I like about you. And you know, love bears all things. I love the way it's in the New King James. All, say with me, all things. Now you may say, you know what? That's not me. Well, that's not you yet. None of us are perfected. And what, when you hear this message today, this is not to beat you up. This is to build you up. And it, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love believes all things. And that's what we want to talk about today. And I want you to see here the definition of that. This is the Greek definition. So if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. This is right out of six concordances. 
So I want to make sure you get the information right. Look at this. Love always trusts. Always eager to believe the best. And I love that. Ever ready. Say that with me. Ever ready. Ever ready to believe the best. Ever ready to believe the best. Where sometimes the natural love is opposite. We're always so ready to believe the worst. Where the love of God is always ready to believe the best. Now, as humans, we have an issue with trust. Especially people who have been burnt. People who have gone through things. You know, I'll never trust again. You know, I'm just going to keep back. I'm going to watch a while. And, you know, I'm going to share what it means in the Greek, too, that there is an area where it says we're not supposed to be vulnerable. We're supposed to use wisdom and discernment. But it says that love always trusts. Maybe you heard about the uh, officer who was on the bench being asked by the defense attorney about someone who ran away from a crime scene. And so the defense attorney asked the officer, says, why do you believe this officer who was present what he saw. He says, I believe the officer because I know him and I would trust him with my life. So the defense attorney thought he'd kind of get him on the stand and said, so you trust the officer who said that he saw the victim running away with his life, with your life. So would you, you actually trust every policeman with your life? He says, yeah, I know them all. He says, well, if that's true, do you have lockers in the, in the basement there at the police station? He says, yes, we do. He says, okay, so you trust your life with the officers? Yes, sir. Okay, so you have lockers. Do you have valuable things in the locker? Yes, sir, we do. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have locks on them lockers? And the policeman said, yes, sir, we do. He says, ha, if you trusted that officer with your life, then why do you have locks on your lockers? He says, well, our police station is connected to the courthouse. And there's a lot of defense attorneys who come through the basement <laughs> trying to go in the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that I don't trust the officers, I trust the... Uh, that's good. But look what he goes on to say. Love sees, love sees and understands the circumstances and accepts and forgives and believes the very best. Say that with me. The very best. The very best about a person. I mean, you know, this is some meat here. This is areas where God wants us to grow in, and, but, but we, gotta, we can only do it by the grace of God. This is divine love. It says it, it's ready to believe the very best about a person. Look at this next one. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love entertains a good opinion of others, not based on a negative opinion, or if the evidence is not clear. What does that mean, entertains a good opinion? That means what you roll over in your head about somebody, you make sure it's positive and good until you know for fact what you heard is true. In other words, this type of love says you are innocent until proven guilty. And I'm not going to think of you or treat you like you're guilty until the facts are you are guilty. And then I'm told to love you. Love entertains a good opinion. Love is innocent till proven guilty. Is mental persuasion avoiding undue suspicion when in doubt. Love says I'm going to trust. Now I hope you get this CD or I hope you write these notes down. Because how many of you know this would enhance a marriage 100%. Amen. And a relationship at work. Because this is the love of God. And this is what Paul's trying to teach us how we're supposed to be. 
It talks about faith beyond appearances. If I can't believe, then I hope and continue to hope to believe. Love prefers to be generous rather than censorship. Love gives credit and it means mental persuasion to avoid undue suspicion. Listen to this. A true friend is someone who thinks you're a good egg, even though he knows you're still a cracked egg. (laughs) Listen to this. This is really something here. This is another definition here. Love believes the very best in someone else. Instead of being suspicious and eager to denounce an offender, love believes the best. Instead of saying, he probably got exactly what he deserved. Love sees the weakness and throws a mantle of silence over it and then believes the best. Love doesn't go through life cynical and suspicious, suspecting everybody and everything. Love doesn't automatically jump to the conclusion that when somebody does something wrong, it proves that they were rotten to begin with. Love always believes the best. Now, in the church... This is something I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, because it's so easy to say, you know, you've already let me down. You know, as far as you're concerned, we're through. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people get burnt, go through things. Uh, We as a church, I'm in the ministry today by the grace of God. By some of the things I've gone through, some of the things that have not been right, a lot of the things that have been wrong, I had plenty of reasons to quit. I had plenty of reasons to get hard and and quit being trustworthy and trusting people, even helping people. It seems like the people we've helped most financially in this church, even when we first started, in the first eight months when we were here, I didn't get a salary and I had to go out and preach to make money so we could pay the rent and the bills. And so many times, you know, it was hard to get money, but yet people came and they needed money so we would give them money. We would help them with their light bills and so forth and so on. And then later on we found out that they just were going around churches and mooching off of people and, you know, didn't really need the money or they were just trying to see how much money they could get. And, you know, a lot of times you could think, well, you know what, all people want is to get the money. People say all preachers want is the money. Everybody's after the money. And when you find out you've helped somebody... And then they did something they shouldn't have did or they failed. And then you go, well, you know, I'll just never help nobody else out again. Have you ever been through that? You know, uh, just uh, Friday when we were having our new members banquet, uh, a lady came up to me. She says, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I don't. She says, about eight, nine years ago, my family and I were broken down with a flat tire on the side of the road. And you and your little son stopped and you all went and brought, bought us a tire. We didn't have a spare tire. You bought us a tire, then you came back and you put it on our car. And now they've joined the church just here lately and they're here this morning. I don't want to embarrass them, but I want to use this as an example. Went and bought them that tire. And you know, it's been eight and nine, nine years and now they've joined the church. Can you imagine if I would have had the mentality, well, you know what? I'll never help nobody else broken down on the road again. What did I get out of it? Or they, uh, did they join the church? You know, what did I get out of it? What, how did it help? Every time I've helped somebody and I didn't see any results from it, I could get the attitude. And we've got to be careful. Why am I going to help somebody? Why am I going to give something that, that costs me something and I don't get nothing back in between? And what happens a lot of times is even in the church, if we're not careful, we become bitter, we become hard. And you know what? We become insensitive to the needs of others. It's so easy 
to pronounce someone guilty. And then it's even harder to forgive them once they've been hurt. And you know, I've been through some things and I have been guilty. And the Lord's done a work in me in the last two years. But I, but, and then I listened to some of my CDs years ago. And, and, and I've gone to the Lord ashamed of how I sounded in some of my messages at times back in the 80s and the early 90s. Just arrogant and just judgmental and just harsh and hard. And, you know, I saw the interview of Ted Haggard uh, this week that he did last month. You don't know Ted Haggard was a big church in Colorado. He had a big church there and he fell into sin and it was all over the news. And I heard a lot of people talking about it and, 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 and some of our leadership was talking about it and talking about him. And I heard him and his wife sharing uh, just uh, last week that he couldn't even get a job at a 7-Eleven. They moved to Arizona. They lived in the desert. He couldn't find a job. His son broke his arm at a baseball game and he didn't know how he was going to get the money to even bring his son to get a cast on his arm because he had no money, had no insurance, and he didn't know who to call to help. And he was saying, you know, he says, you know what the worst thing is about sin? He says, my grandchildren will one day want to Google me. I never thought about this. He says, my grandchildren will want to Google me. My great-great-grandchildren will want to, want to Google me to find out who, who I was. Who was their great-great-grandfather? And you know what the Google is going to say? He did this and he did that and he did the other. And that's going to hurt him for the rest of his life. But his wife said there on the stage, she said, you know what hurt me the most? Was that we lost all of our friends. We lost our church that we spent 30 years building. We lost everything we had. And some people could have the attitude, well, you know what? There's consequences to sin. Yes, there is consequences to sin. But you know, we don't have to be the jury. We don't have to be the jury. They're going through enough punishment. I thought about it in the early 90s. One of the men I looked up to fell. And uh, we, got, we were with some pastors. And I, w- I had read in the Charisma magazine. And I told him, I said, hey, did y'all hear about brother so-and-so? And it was a, kind of the same line, a homosexual type thing. I said, did you hear about so-and-so? He's out of the ministry. And you know, I, I shared that. And then, you know, later on, I felt condemned and I heard he was somewhere after a few years and I went and I gave him an offering and I bought some of his books. But, you know, I had no right spreading news about him. I didn't have to be the first one to tell the tale. Until what what was it of my concern if some pastors knew about his sin or not? Love believes the best. Hey, did you hear so-and-so did this? Oh, really? Oh, man. Boy, I hope they catch him. Did you hear what he did? Did you hear what she did? It is so easy to take just at the first moment in our minds, set an opinion against somebody just by hearsay. And how many times has that hearsay been wrong? The Bible says that love covers the sin. Amen? Well, I want to talk to you today about what I like about you is someone said the greatest human desire is to feel important. Abraham Lincoln said, everybody wants to have a compliment. Do you know that somebody else said, three million people go to bed hungry every night, but four million go to bed hungry for a word of affirmation and encouragement. And you know what? I I believe that God is wanting to tell us to go be the type of person that looks for something good to say about somebody else, to encourage them, to believe in them, and to bless them. Amen. 
to let our words line up and, and, and just to make a difference. Do you know, there was a big difference between Job and David. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. David said, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all of his benefits. My God forgives. My God gives. My God heals. So many times we can take after Job and say, well, you know what? They deserve that or that happened to them and this happened to them. So, you know, we're just going to have to just, just forget about them and just let them go and, and let them fall where they fall. But how many, you know, David says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to worry about what I don't have. I'm going to bless God anyway. I'm going to bless God for what I do have. And we've got to learn to do that with one another. We've got to look, learn to look for good qualities and brag about those qualities. Because, you know, so many people are known maybe for physical things. Or maybe uh, different things that they do. But how about the good things? Do we talk about the good things more than we talk about the negative things? Amen, church. Love believes all things. It blesses and is trust. Now, I want to show you this part here. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You know, I want to go around as medicine. Hey, boy, don't you look good today. You know, I heard, I heard that y'all got a new car. I heard you got a promotion at work. Man, you deserved it. I want to go around being somebody who makes somebody feel good about themselves instead of just tearing people down. Can I hear an amen? amen. Love believes all things. William James says, The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. How many want to be appreciated? Amen. Now listen, I know you're thinking, well, love, how can I trust when, when people are like this or when people are like that? Now one thing I want to tell you in the Greek, it does say a number of times that this type of love does not mean that we're gullible or that we're vulnerable. Now look at this next part here. Proverbs 14:15, the message translation. The gullible believe anything they're told. The prudent sift and weigh every word. What that speaks about there is that you know, we're supposed to trust and we're supposed to believe, but sometimes while we're earning trust, we've got to give them time to show that their words match up with the action. Amen. We've got to see. Listen, it's like a scientist. Maybe you've seen scientists, uh, maybe you've seen Spider-Man where, if you remember, they went in there to the Green Goblin and, and uh, the, the owner wanted to try something out. And he says, no, it hasn't been tested yet. Scientists go on what's been tested to show that it's proven. They don't go on just what they hope would happen. They go on what's tested. We've got to test. And one thing I wrote down was a few points that we need to get this. Acting inconsistently in what we say or do causes people to mistrust us. Seeking personal gain above shared gain causes people to mistrust us. Withholding information, lying or telling half-truths, being closed-minded opens the doors for people to mistrust us. Listen to this. This is from a book about ladies who have been divorced. This is what they desire. A person who, ex- who accepts me just like I am. A person who loves me no matter how I am being or what I do. A person whose influence develops my ability to love and be responsible. Someone who creates love and good works within me. Someone who gives me an opportunity to grow. Someone who increases love within me. Someone I can be myself around. Someone who allows me to be on the outside what I really am on the inside. Someone who helps me to deny myself for others and for God. Someone who allows me to become the me that God intended. Someone who helps me become the me 
God sees in me. Someone whose life touches mine and leaves me better for it. Someone who touches my life and draws me closer to who God created me to be. Someone who helps me to be like Christ. And someone who helps me to love others more. Boy, that's strong, isn't it? To let up, to, that's what they're looking for. Someone that they can trust. Now I want to show you another scripture here. In Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the what? The word of their testimony. How many believe here, how many times do we quote, Well, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Well, let me ask you, did you ever think that maybe others can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony? Have you thought that by you stirring up their faith with good words, you know what? I believe you can overcome that. You know what? I believe that your marriage can be restored. I just right now pray with you and I just plead the blood and I decree right now that if God could deliver me from this, God can deliver you from that. I just believe right now, I got a testimony that I was out of a job and I didn't have nothing, but I put my trust in the Lord. The Lord came through for me and the Lord gave me back what I thought I could never get back on my own. God is faithful. Other people can overcome by the word of your testimony. Look there at Philemon 1.6. It says, And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. How many of you know that God has deposited, deposited some awesome things on the inside of you? Amen. And when you start talking about what God can do, what God has done for others, He stirs that faith up in you. The word encouragement means to speak a word... And to affirm truths and to build courage. You know, the more we go, a lot of people even, listen, we have to be careful because even a lot of people say, did you hear the latest prophecy? Man, we're not going to be able to buy food. We're not going to be able to buy that. It come out with the market, the beast. My God, what are we going to do? Do you know what? The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. You know what I got to say? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I'm not saying that we got to prepare and we got to get crazy about these things. But listen, we are going to have to learn. Listen, every one of you here, we're going to have to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. And it's going to have to be an overcoming answer. What's going to happen if this happens? We're going to overcome. What am I going to do if my child don't get saved? Your child is going to get saved. And your child is going to serve the Lord in the name of Jesus. You see, we can help others overcome by the word of our testimony. You ought to have a testimony in everything that you say. You have a, you ought to have a word that overcomes and calls, stirs up faith in other people that allows them to know that they can overcome. Look at this scripture here in Hebrews. Hebrews 3.13. But what? Encourage one another. How much? Hey, how many know this is the Bible? Amen. Be, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you know what sin does? It causes the heart and to get hard. It causes life to get hard. And you know what Paul is saying here? Encourage one another daily because you know what? There's enough battles in every day. I'm going to go through, I've gone through some things today, but I'm going to go through some things tomorrow. And just like, you know what, well, you know what, you ought to get encouraged on Sunday and that ought to be enough for you for the rest of the week. Ha ha! I'm up here preaching every Sunday and I need encouragement by three o'clock this afternoon. Amen! 
It says encourage one another daily. Store them up with the word of your testimony. Get them prepared to overcome. Well, you know what? I don't think I'm going to make it. i got good news for you. The Bible says you are going to make it. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'll ever get healed. The Lord God says by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. You've got to give them a testimony and help them understand that God wants to encourage them. Listen, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. I don't have it up there, but it says, Let us consider one another in order. Say in order. And it doesn't say in order to criticize. It doesn't say in order to put down. It says in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, but exhorting. I mean, you know, if you start exhorting people, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And listen, your children... The people you work with, the people in the church, people you come in contact with, people who are going through circumstances in life. Faith doesn't only come by hearing by the fivefold ministry. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And his word in your mouth increases their faith to believe that they can overcome. They can have the desires of their heart and they can and they can see what God has planned for them that is going to work to their past. You can tell them. Listen, you can, somebody says, you know what? Why aren't you married yet? You need to go. You hear somebody at family reunion. Why haven't you found a wife? Yet. You need to go say, you know what? God's got the right little lady for you. Why haven't you found a husband? Why haven't you got pregnant yet? You know what? I stand upon the word of God. I am pregnant in the name of Jesus Christ. Not me, but you if you want to get pregnant. Not me. <laughs> but we got to hold on to this. Now look, I want to show you something here. Acts chapter 9, 10 through 19. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And said to the Lord, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here am I, Lord. How many of you sung that song this morning? Here am I, Lord. Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. Now, just hearing the name Judas right there causes the hair to stand on the back of your neck. But not only that, go to the house of Judas for one, say for one. And boy, is he something else. He's a short little Christian killer named Saul. Go and ask for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand upon him so that he might receive his sight. Look at verse 13. Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call in your name. I've heard. Love believes all things. But how many of you imagine, let me bring it down to earth. How would you feel if you heard that Bin Laden is in the jail in Pollock? And the Lord tells you to go minister to him and to take him home, to feed him, and to tell him about Jesus. Hmm? How would you feel if you heard Charles Manson was getting out of prison? And the Lord tells you, didn't you tell me you'd do anything, Lord? Yes, Lord, I'll do anything. I want you to go pick up Charles Manson. And I want you to bring them to church. 
But Lord, he's got those long fingernails and those tattoos all over. And Lord, he believed he was the Antichrist and he's, he cut people into pieces. Didn't you say, here am I, Lord? Yes. Well, I'm telling you, he's saved and I want you to go pick him up. How many of you would need about four angels to come and confirm that? Hey, did you hear so-and-so got saved? Got to see it to believe it. Did you hear so-and-so, so-and-so went to the altar? Yeah, but we got to see if he's really, if it took this time. How many of you know that's how we've been in the church for years? Did you hear so-and-so's coming back to church? Yeah, well, they changed churches like, like everything. So quick. And we're here. Lord, here am I. Just make me a vessel of love. Lord, I just want to do your perfect will. Then I want you to go talk to the person. Not that person, Lord. Nothing can help him. Lord, you know how many years he's been on that stuff? You know how many times he's done that? And the reason he's sick and dying now is his own fault. Lord, send somebody else. And he says, I've already showed him you're coming. You're the one who better speak into his life. But Lord, I've heard a lot of things about her. I've heard a lot of things about him. Isn't it something that we become picky when it comes to love believes all? Hello? Hmm. Look at this. Ananias went and guess what? He got to baptize Paul. Don't you know that was something? Now, I want you to see this. Acts chapter 9, 26, 27. Say this with me. What I like about you. Okay, now listen to this. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. That's be like somebody getting saved that you knew, and they'll try to join the church. Pastor, I want to tell you about that person. I don't think they ought to be here. That person was a child molester. But I don't think we ought to let him in church. I think he need to be watched. I think a child molester, and we do, a child molester needs to be watched and proven but I don't think they ought to be condemned for the rest of their life. Well, if they goes to the church, I'm not going to the church. What would Jesus say? It says, Saul tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. How many times we as Christians are afraid of certain type of people? Getting too close to certain type of people. Wanting to make sure everything is just right. Huh? And it says, and did not believe that he was a disciple. I read love believes all. But it says right there, they didn't believe. Can you imagine? And Barnabas. Say Barnabas. You know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. Everybody was scared of him. And Barnabas took him to the apostles. Can you imagine the atmosphere? I bet Peter had his sword out again. Saul's coming here. I don't want him in my church. I don't want those type of people here. He killed Christians. He put Christians in prison. Boy, I'm not going to miss this time. I'm not going to cut his ear off. I'm going to get the whole thing this time. Can you imagine the atmosphere? They had, because Saul was guilty of the first martyr, Stephen. 
Saul had sent children to prison. Saul had killed Christians. Saul was a horrible person. But guess what? Now he's saying, hey, I believe in Jesus. Stay away from us. We're scared of you. But it took somebody who had the love of God. Took Barnum, took Paul, took him to the disciples. And it says, and he declared, he declared. In other words, Barnabas says, y'all know my testimony. In chapter 4, it says that Barnabas sold property and brought the money to the apostles. Barnabas says, you know my testimony. He says, I am standing up for this man. I believe, listen to this, the apostle Paul. I believe in this man before you do. I believe this man is truly converted before y'all believe. I'm going to stand by this man and I'll take up for him before you take up for him. That's what Barnabas had to do here before the apostles. I'll stand by his side. Isn't that powerful? And it says, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly Damascus in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine? How many of you know what the apostle Paul did in the Bible? Can you imagine that if somebody did not walk in that area of love believes all things. If somebody didn't believe to stand up for somebody who had nobody to stand up for them. If somebody didn't stand up for somebody that others were afraid of or scared of. Can you imagine where we would have been if we would not have had the Apostle Paul? It took somebody to stand beside someone that nobody else wanted or wanted to help. Acts 11, 23, 24. And when he came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all. He was always encouraging. This is about Barnabas. He encouraged them all with all the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. The church grew. How? Because people were walking around encouraging. Hallelujah. If God could take Saul, he could take anybody. But look at this. Look what happens here. Acts 15, 36 through 40. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with the one who had departed from them in Pompeia and had not gone with them to the work. And they could, and then the contention became so sharp they, that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. They, Barnabas said, just like I stood with you, I want to stand with John Mark. Because John Mark had deserted them in the middle of the ministry. And Paul says, no, he deserted. I don't want anything to do with John Mark. And Barnabas says, I'm going to take John Mark. I'm going to encourage John Mark. And do you know that that John Mark that Paul says, I don't want nothing to do with and divided the ministry of Barnabas and Paul. Do you know that John Mark wrote the book of Mark? What would have happened if Barnabas would have said, you know, Paul, John Mark, I'm sorry, but you know what? Paul's right. You deserted us when we needed you. There is no second chances. But you know what happened? It says, look what Paul writes. Only Luke is with me. What does he say there? Get Mark. Say that with me. Get Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for the ministry. 
In other words, who people sometimes give up on will end up saying, can you bring that person to me? They're useful for me in the ministry. Aren't you glad that God is the God of new beginnings? You know, Sister Terry would love to be called to Hawaii instead of the Middle East. If she had her choice, Lord, send me to Hawaii or send me to Mexico in a two and a half hour trip. But don't send me 22 hours to the Middle East or the Orient. But when she said, Lord, here am I, send me, God says, okay, I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you in the most hard, difficult, dangerous areas because you're the one who are going to reach people that nobody else can reach. You're going to go encourage people that nobody else wants to encourage. She goes and she preaches to Muslims. You know what the mentality in America is? Let's just kill them all. But you know what the mentality of Jesus is? They're seed of Abraham. And I want them to come to know the Messiah just as I desire the Jews to. They are part of the tree. Do you see what I'm saying today? You know what this word love is talking about? You cannot judge anybody by who they were or who they are. If you limit people, then they will be limited because you put the limit on them. Whatever opinion and mindset we put on people, many people are going to adopt that and they're going to live in that mindset. But you know what happened to the Apostle Paul? Barnabas came up and said, Paul, you're a good speaker. You know what, Paul? He was Saul then. He says, you know what, Saul? You're preaching tonight. You're a good speaker. You're a better speaker than I am. I don't have to preach tonight, Saul. You're going to preach. And because Barnabas was willing to let somebody else come up above him, God used him as a great apostle, and Barnabas got fruit from all of Paul's ministry. Isn't that something? It says, they strengthened the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue the faith. How many of you, there are people, there are people all around us all the time. You hear somebody going through something, exhort them, say, praise God, thank God, you're healed. You hear them sneeze, thank God you're the healed of the Lord. Thank God you're not sick any longer in Jesus' name. People need encouragement. They need exhortation. You hear somebody going through something with their child. You know, I want you to pray with my child. You know what? I know other people and my child's going through something, but I'm going to stand with you and God is going to bring your child back. Encourage them and exhort them. Amen. The son of encouragement. Look at this. Second Samuel 14, 14. But God does not just sweep life away. Do you see that? God does not just sweep life away. You know what? They made a mistake. That's it. God doesn't do that. What does He do? He devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from Him. You hear that, church? I want to hear, I want to read that to you in a different translation. Listen to this. The New American says, Yet God does not take away life, but plans ways. Say that with me. Plans ways. So that the banished one may not be cast out from His presence. Oh, hallelujah. He plans ways. We're supposed to be imitators of who? What does God do? He plans ways of how they can get out. Listen, you hear somebody who messed up. You know what? Next time we hear somebody who's messed up, do you know what we need to do? Plan ways to make them feel comfortable and not make them feel like they're pointed at. 
Next time a little teenage girl might would walk in here and she's got a stomach. And people go, oh, look at that. I bet she's a, she's a kid herself getting ready to have a kid. Look at that. Probably 15 years old and pregnant. Instead of marking them and judging them, we've got to start preparing a way out. Listen, sweetheart, I've got some baby clothes. Are you going to need some baby clothes? Do you, are you going to need a, a, a crib? Uh, do, do, you, do you need some help uh, about how this baby's going to be raised? You hear me, church? God plans ways of getting them out even when they're away from Him. Well, you know what? They're gone. It's over with. No, it's not. They're in jail. You know what? I doubt they'll ever get out. If they get out, I'm not helping them again. Huh. Let's see what the Spirit of God has to say about that. You know what? They have taken advantage of me so many times. They may as well not even come over here. But what does the book of Malachi say? God loves mercy. Amen? David says, I've trusted in your mercy. Psalms 89.2 says, mercy builds up. It renews the strength of the weak. Psalms 13.5 says, I have trusted in your mercy and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Psalms 18.1 says, oh, how I love your mercy. You delivered me because you delighted in me. Verse 19. Verse 35 says, your generations, your gentleness have made me great. Micah 7.18, he delights in mercy. 1 John 3.1, behold what manner of love the Father has given us. How many of you know, behold what manner means you will never know the width, the depth, the length of God's life. And listen, and he says, he's called us to his purpose. Say that word called. called. Guess what that word means? It means invited, appointed, and guess what else? It means God's expecting you. Next time you see somebody, you know, because you know what? People come to me and they go, Pastor, guess who I saw sitting at a bar drinking a beer? Don't tell me that. Guess who I saw who was doing this and who's doing that? Can you believe that? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Do you know who I saw who was at that place where those people go and they dance and they can become animals? Do you know who I saw? I don't care. God says, I'm expecting you. I'm expecting you. And you know what you tell them? Pastor, I've messed up. I went somewhere I shouldn't have went. You know what you tell them? God's expecting you. Behold, what manner of love. That means there's nothing you could have done that God wouldn't love you and accept you more. He's called you. He's expecting you. He's expecting you. He knew before you messed up, you were going to mess up. And he prepared a way and he made some ways available for you to find your way back to him. And I want to finish with this. The purpose of life is not to win. The purpose of life is to grow and to share. When you come to look back on what, on all that that you have done in life, you will get more satisfaction from the pleasure you have brought into other people's lives than you will from the times you outdid and defeated them. The peace and the pleasure of life is not outdoing or defeating people getting more recognition, having more things. 
What really is going to satisfy in life is how many people was I able to encourage and help? How many people did I give hope to? How many people did I agree when they said, you know what, Pastor, my, my relationship's hopeless? I hope to God we never be the ones to agree with those type of negative words and say, Sister, with God, nothing is impossible. The condition of my child. I don't know where my child is. He ran away. I don't know what's he doing right now. Yeah, but God knows where he's at. He knows exactly where he's at. He may be under a bridge. He may be living in an old truck. Who knows what he's doing? But God knows exactly where he's at. And God is making a way for that child to come back. And what seems like a disaster and a life thrown away, God's going to turn around and make him into a successful businessman. God's going to use him for his glory. God's going to take a Saul that everybody's scared of, everybody's afraid of, and turn him around and turn him into a Paul. He's going to take old shaky Simon and turn him into Peter the rock. So when the Bible says love believes all things, it means it doesn't call you guilty. It doesn't look for things to condemn or to judge or to beat down. Love believes you're going to make it, you're going to come out of it. No matter how many times you have fallen, no matter how many times you have failed, No matter what you've done that you may be ashamed of, the Spirit of God is still saying, I love you and I'll always love you. Just call upon me and I'll answer you. And I'll deliver you. And then he says, I'll honor you. So let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads. As you're meditating,